is a type of medicine that trains your body to fight any foreign agent. Plants are helpful for the ecosystem. It's an electronic device for storing and processing data. The nervous system is all the collection of nerves in your body. Yeast is a eukaryote. Welcome to Spectacular Science, where it's all about science, with your host, I was sleeping for over a year. Oh, just stretch out. Oh, okay. Okay, now trying to check my bedside calendar. Wait, today's the day. I'm so excited. Yes, finally, the day has arrived. Today is the 100th episode of Spectacular Science. Wow, it just felt like yesterday that I published an episode on plants and trees. Oh, that was a long, long, long time ago. Well, we finally made it. Listeners, thanks to you, we have reached our 100th episode. And this episode is going to be filled to the brim with excitement and celebration. Let's get right into it. And time for the unveiling of today's episode's topic. It is music. Music is all around us, from our theme song to just parties. You hear music everywhere you go, even on the streets. But how how do we make music? And what goes in our brain when we hear music? Well, in this episode, we're going to be talking to two experts. One, a scientist who has studied the connection between music and the brain. And another, a musician who you may recognize that has made the Spectacular Science theme song. Let's get right into it. Now, I'm gonna talk to Dr. Alan Harvey from the University of Western Australia. He studies the connection between the brain and music and is gonna explain to us what goes on in our brain when we hear music. Hi, Dr. Harvey. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. So, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay, my name's Alan Harvey. I'm an emeritus professor at the University of Western Australia. I was trained in neuroscience, but um, more recently I've been, I've also been a musician most of my life. So I had an ambition to to write a book about music and and the brain and and why humans respond. And so that's what I've been doing the last several years. Um, I'm an honorary fellow in my school and also um, I've now been made an honorary fellow of the Conservatorium of Music, which is very exciting given that I'm actually a neuroscientist and I don't play music anything like as well as those people in the Conservatorium. So I'm British originally, I came from London, I was educated at the University of Cambridge and then did a PhD in Canberra uh, in in Australia Um, and I've been in Perth for a long time. Wow, that's so cool. How did you get interested in science? Yeah, it's a good question. Because I loved music so much, at one point I remember telling my mother that I wanted to be a great composer. I didn't want to be just any old composer. I wanted to be a great one. That that tells you that music's been a core part of my kind of life. 
But I think uh, at school, I got interested in biology. I, when I went to Cambridge, um, the neurosciences became more and more interesting for me. And by the time I finished my physiology degree at Cambridge, I was really keen on pursuing a research to learn more. And in fact, I can even remember the moment. This is maybe interesting because I've told my, my students this a lot. One of my lecturers was a guy called Colin Blakemore, who's now Lord Blakemore, he's one of the most famous neuroscientists in the UK. And at that time, he was probably about 30, something like that. And I remember he gave a lecture on visual cortex, and I went and asked him a question after the lecture, which is always takes a little bit of courage when you go up and ask a lecture or something. And he said, Alan, that's a very good question. Why don't you go and find out? And I thought, oh, just a minute, I've just thought of something that he said was interesting and maybe I should go and find out what's going on. And that kind of was a real stimulus for me that there was knowledge out there and, and new ideas out there. And rather than just sitting around worrying about it, go out and find out. And so I pursued a PhD and was trained in physiology and it's been my, you know, it's been a great interest of mine all my life. Wow, that's amazing. So now on to music and our brains. What goes on inside of our brains when we hear music? Well, now there's a big question. So um, many parts of the brain are activated when we listen to music. Now, some of those parts of the brain that are activated are similar to those that are activated when you hear someone speaking or when you hear an environmental noise like birds communicating or traffic going past. So everything obviously goes through the, the ear, through the eardrum, and then is processed in a structure called the cochlea. Um, and then all of that information gets passed up through a bunch of relays up into the brain, up into the cortex, onto the, the temporal side here. So the auditory cortex is where initially it gets processed, and then it gets distributed. Now, if you compare the processing of speech and language, then, sorry, speech and music, then you find that there are some areas of overlap. So for example, what I'm doing now in speaking, you notice that I'm changing my pitch a little bit. I go up, I go down, I go, I go loud, I go soft, I go quickly, I go slowly. These are all features of music as well, yes, of course. So there are some common elements, but then beyond there, there are different circuits processing music in different parts of the cortex. A lot of it emphasized on this right-hand side, whereas speech, at least for right-handers, is on the left-hand side processed. So there's a slight sort of hemispheric difference between the left and the right sides. And also the other part of the brain, not just the cerebral cortex, but there are regions in what's called the limbic system, which is a complex system involved in emotion and memory and arousal. And music really seems to activate those regions very strongly, which is, I think, why music has such a powerful effect in terms of raising our emotions, arousing us, but also enhancing our memory. OK, so there are many, many re reasons. There are different regions involved in processing rhythm, beat, melody, um, the sound of an instrument. These are all that you can find these different places doing different things. Um, and then, of course, there are parts of the brain that respond when you listen to music that you like or that you find is, you know, something you remember from your past. You've probably got songs that you've, you can remember from three or four years ago. And if you hear them again now, you went, oh, I remember that one. Um, so when those areas that are 
you know, the happy memories actually process in different parts of the brain from areas of, of that process music that you think of as sad or, or dissonant. So again, depending on whether it's happy music or sad, dissonant music, you get different regions. It's, it's a very distributed system indeed. And in fact, when you practice a lot, if you're a musician who practices a lot, then in fact, gradually, that more and more regions on this side start to get activated as well. Because most musicians use both hands, whether they're playing the piano, playing um, clarinet, um, playing the violin. So the two hands have to coordinate and that increases the binding between the two sides. So if you look at a musician's brain, they have a lot more interconnections between the two cortical hemispheres than, than normal people because they've had so much training in, in, in using these two hands to coordinate. So it's, it's a, there's a huge literature now on, on how, I'm sorry, it's a long answer, but there's a, it's a, there's a huge literature on, on, on what goes on, exactly why it fills us with such pleasure and happiness and joy, and, or why sometimes it makes us feel so sad. Well, that's one of the great things about the human brain and, and, and us, it's a, it's a special characteristic of being a human being. Wow. That is so cool. So how do we study the human brain to find all this information out? Well, in, in days gone past, um, really the only way you could work out what was going on was when people actually suffered an injury or a stroke. So, so people could maybe, in, in, maybe injured or have a stroke and then some part of their brain stopped working. And there are examples of these things called... Um, uh, amusias where somebody who used to be used to be able to sing cannot sing anymore or they can't read music anymore so a lot of it was done on the pathology of what went what disappeared when something was injured that's not the best way of studying how a brain works really so what then happened many more years ago uh, less time ago, 40 or 50 years ago, was they used electroencephalography, you know, the electrodes on the top of the head to record brainwave activity, to sort of get some idea of which areas of the brain were active doing different things. But in the last 20 years or so, the big breakthrough has been the magnetic resonance imaging machines. And you probably, your listeners will probably know about these big machines and, and your, you know, your parents or grandparents would have maybe been in one because you can actually image the brain, the structure of the brain, but more importantly, with this thing called functional magnetic resonance imaging, because oxygenated blood, blood that carries oxygen and blood that doesn't have any oxygen has a different characteristic in these machines, you can use that to work out which parts of the brain are active when doing something or thinking something. And using this thing called fMRI, people have now been able to really dissect out which parts of the brain, for example, respond to a melodic line, which, which parts of the brain respond to a beat, which parts of the brain respond, and so on and so forth. So gradually and gradually, these things have been teased apart by using these imaging machines. That's the real power now, I think. That's where most of this work is, 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 is being done. That's very interesting. So what does music mean to you personally? Oh, I think it's been my, I can't imagine life without it. I, I, it's just impossible to imagine. Uh, and I've, as I said, played a lot of, in a lot of bands. I've sung in choirs. I've done solo gigs. Um, I listen to rock. I listen to folk, classical. 
Um, I listen to music every day. And so I think in my life, uh, especially, this is another important thing I'd like to emphasise to, to young people, get together and play music with people. You don't have to be very good at it. Sing with people, play with people, dance with people in big groups, because music is a big driver of social cooperative interactions. It's really good for you. It's good for exercising. It's good for the development of various cognitive cognition. It's good for language. And for me, it actually, uh, my playing with other musicians or singing in choirs, you, when, when you do that, you forget all your day-to-day -day worries because you're immersed in the act of music making and, and so on and so forth. And I, it, it has an effect on blood pressure. It has an effect on all sorts of the immune system. It's basically good for you. So as a release valve for me in my life, when I've got really stressed trying to write grants or worrying why this publication hasn't been accepted or this experiment didn't work, you know, escaping into music is a, is a lifeline. It's, it, 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 it lets the pressure out. It's wonderful. Wow. So what advice do you have for kids who want to go into the field of science? Follow your dreams, I think, really, you know. I've had a, a, a lucky career in many ways. Um, I've been worked in many con continents. As I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I, I spent three years in the United States, so you travel a lot. Um, I think you, you just have to have a genuine interest. And what I used to tell my students in, in my classes was, if you're the sort of person that wants to know, get, likes to get up to the edge of where knowledge sort of finishes where, where there are still questions and there are unknowns, right? And you want to look over the edge and you think, now, I want to know what's out there. I want to know um, why doesn't this work? What, you know, what, what, what is it we don't understand? Then if you've got that kind of interest, that it could be in physics, chemistry, mathematics, could be in engineering, could be in biology, neuroscience, like my, my discipline, uh, you just... You just want to know more. And you, if you get lucky enough to be able to get into research programs where you can actually make new knowledge, you can discover new things. I mean, how exciting is that to be able to you know, push back the boundaries of things? I mean, that's, that's what science can do. And, and with any luck, of course, good science and honest science is a good thing for the planet. It's good for the environment. It's good for our social well-being. It's good for... for you know, every, all the things that you would like humanity to progress forward in a peaceful, harmonic way. So, yeah, if you, if you want to get into it, um, if you've got some good teachers, brilliant. Um, but, but start asking questions. Start thinking about why, why does that happen? What, what, you know, why, why when I shut this eye and then I look through this eye, why does the world seem to move or... Or how did I pick up that pencil? Or just ask, start asking questions. You know, why, why does that animal communicate like that? Why does it look that color? Why, why, do, why does the sun rise in the morning and set in the evening? All those magnificent things, um, uh, go and find out and, and make new knowledge. Wow, science really is endless. And there's just endless possibilities on what you just study. And that's why I really love science. Thank you so much for talking to me, Dr. Harvey. I really enjoyed this interview. And also, I learned so much that I didn't know about music and our brains. Very welcome. And good luck to everybody listening.
now that we know the science behind music in our brains, it's time to learn about how we compose music. And I'm going to be talking to Charan Ramachandran about that. You may recognize him because he made our theme song and all the other music that you hear in all the episodes. So, please welcome Charan! Hi, Charan! Hey, Akshay. So, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, uh, my name is Charan Ramachandran. I'm uh, Akshay's older cousin. I just graduated from the University of Georgia. I'm planning on working as a software engineer in the Bay Area. And in my free time, I like to produce music. Yeah, and what are the steps you take in order to produce music? So there's a couple of different things I like to do. Uh, so my main genre is hip hop. And a big thing in hip hop is sampling. So what sampling is, is you get an old song and you take parts of it and you flip them in a certain way to make them sound different and add your own flavor to it. So if I make sampling beats, the steps I take are uh, looking through a catalog of older songs. And if I find something I like, I record a snip of it and then I, you know, chop it up in whichever way I think would sound good and I go about it like that. But another way I also enjoy making music is just playing on the piano, playing chords that I really like and really like the sound of and adding layers with that. So what are the steps you took to create the Spectacular Science theme song? So uh, to create the theme song, I had some back and forth with the legend himself, <laughs> Mr. Akshay. Uh, so he gave me uh, his idea on what he wants the theme song to be. And he sent me some recordings of like clips from the um, previous episodes, as well as him like introducing the show. And uh, I just added some drums in the beginning. And then I played a very simple uh, piano uh, chord progression. And then I added the uh, recordings over top of it and threw some reverb on it. So it makes it sound more spacey. And what does chord progression mean? Chord progression is a series of chords that go well together. So oh, a chord is, a, is two or more notes that are played together that sound good, that are in harmony. Wow, that's so cool. So what do you enjoy about making music? So I enjoy uh, the collaborative uh, efforts it takes to make a song. So you can obviously make music by yourself, but to me, it's more fun when you get a group of people together and just jam. You get a lot of different ideas from different uh, people and you can just feed off of each other's energy and make something great. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really enjoyed it. I'm really thanking you for creating that theme song and it's just amazing. You're welcome, Akshay. Um, congratulations on your 100th episode and I wish you 100 more. Thank you. Do you hear this music in the background? Well, this awesome music was actually made by Charon himself. Here, take a listen. Wow, what a journey has been from the first episode of Spectacular Science all the way to the 100th episode. 
And I really have to thank all of you listeners. You've powered through and have kept listening to my podcast, which has really encouraged me. And I'm just so excited that we've reached a very, very big milestone of this podcast. You can encourage me a lot by subscribing to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. This really helps me share science with all the kids in the world. My mission when starting this podcast was to share my love of science with everyone in the world. And I really need your help to do that. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and ask them to follow and listen to this podcast. This really helps me accomplish my goal to spreading the love of science to all the kids in the world. Science is all around you. Really, all around you. If you just look around you, every single thing that you see has its own science behind it. And that is what I'm trying to bring to the world. That, that show them that there's so much science in this world and there's so much out there waiting to be discovered by the next generation of young scientists like me. Remember to spread the word. I also have to thank all the experts in this episode and all of my other episodes for encouraging me and for sharing their amazing knowledge with all of you listeners. And I've learned so much throughout this journey about vaccines, about just what science is, and even about music, like in this episode. Thank you so much for everything. This is the end of Season 4 of Spectacular Science. We'll be back with brand new episodes of Spectacular Science with Season 5, on August 23rd, 2022. That's August 23rd, 2022. Until then, keep thinking about science. Remember to sign up for a Spectacular Science membership where you can get the fact of the day, a fun science fact every day. Also, check out our blog where I write about science. That's at spectacularsci.com slash blog. Also remember to subscribe to the Spectacular Science YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Spectacular Science is produced and hosted by me, Akshay Jiraman. Our theme song is by Charan Ramachandran. Thank you so much, Charan and Dr. Harvey, for this amazing interview. I learned so much. Special thanks to Varun Ramachandran. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll see you on Season 5 of Spectacular Science on August 23rd, 2022. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this entire journey, and we'll see you on the money episodes that are coming up. Bye!